Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, how is everybody today? Good to have you. Uh, some of you right now, let me just get it out of the way. You didn't know that they made this much yellow yarn. Yep, I get it. I get it. I took it all. It's all right here. There's no more else in the entire world. You might not know how you feel about it. Neither does my family. But I'm wearing it. I'm rocking it. I wore it on Thursday. I'm wearing it the rest of the week. Deal with it. Uh, yeah. Second thing, those of you who've been coming to the church for a while, you might not know what this is. This is old school. This is called a pulpit. Uh, Fontana, Kansas, where I got my preaching start, I tried to preach the paneling off that place, and I decided for like the next three weeks, I'm going to go old school, so you'll know what points are important, so don't be afraid when, you, when that happens, okay? I'm going to have to get rid of this ring and get like my, my metal one so I can let you know when it's serious. Uh, I don't know what kind of week you've been having, but I had a great one, like one of those weeks, well... A Mona Johnston kind of week. You don't know who Mona Johnston is, but she's a dear friend from Macomb. And every time I asked Mona, how are you doing? Mona said, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. And I've just been feeling good all week long. And some of you are like, well, stink. Because <laughs> that hasn't been your week. You've been kind of going, I'll be honest with you, Clayton. That's not been my week at all. Well, listen, whether you've had an incredible week or a horrible week, there's no better place to be than in the house of the Lord. Because if you had a great week, you need to give him some glory. And if you've had a horrible week where you feel like the whole world's against you, it's good to know that God's got your back. Am I right? Am I right? All right, turn to your neighbor, say, I'm glad you came. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, guys, I, I even have notes. I know what I'm going to say before I say it. Fresh territory for us all. I know. So we've been in this sermon series called Closed on Sunday. And we've been walking through these different principles, the diff different aspects that make the church what the church is supposed to be in the very First week, Jerry talked about baptism. And since he talked about it, there's been a whole bunch of people that have said, you know what, uh, my time is now, and I'm ready to get baptized. And there's some of you right now that all of our different locations, you might still be thinking uh, about taking that step. Uh, you said, you know what, I'm not waiting until Super Bowl weekend. Now's good. And there ain't no shame in that. Uh, that's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. He said, you know, look, there's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? But for those of you who are going, you know what? I've been thinking about it. This is something that needs to happen in my life. This is a place that God's been leading me. Uh, or maybe you're a person who you know some people that want to get baptized. And you're going, you know what? I could use a little brushing up on what this is all about. You can head over to thecrossing.net slash baptism. We've got Jerry's baptism sermon on there. We've got a good vision cast of what that looks like. And then you can actually register 
and one of our incredible pastors from our different locations will call you, talk to you, answer questions you might have, and get everything squared away because we don't want anybody who's wanting to take that step to have any barriers to making that happen. Um, and next week is when we're gonna be doing a bunch of those baptisms, hopefully. Uh, and you might be going, isn't next week Super Bowl weekend? And the answer to that is yes. And what I can tell you is, uh, unequivocally, there is no better time for you to invite a friend to one of our locations than Super Bowl weekend. If you've been coming here for a while, you know we, uh, we have a good time on Super Bowl weekend. Jerry and I are gonna be throwing a couple curveballs at you this year that I think you will thoroughly enjoy. And uh, we've got a great gospel-centered message that's gonna point people to Jesus. So if you have a friend, a relative, a person you don't like anymore, that you would like to find a relationship with Jesus, Next weekend would be a great weekend to come because there'll be food because it's Super Bowl weekend. Uh, there'll be some fun because Jerry and I will be doing uh, the thing we've been doing for the last couple years. And there's gonna be a lot of people starting a relationship with Jesus Christ in the area of baptism. And so uh, get the word out, bring your friends. It'll be a great weekend. It's a safe weekend if that's what you're wanting. Like, hey, when's a good time for me to bring a friend? We'll be on our best behavior, Okay. <laughs> So I want to tell you about that. Then after we did the sermon on baptism, Jerry did a sermon on uh, apostles' teaching, which is where we learned about leadership and authority, and that in order for things to work properly, there has to be leadership, and that our authority flows from, starts with Jesus, and it flows to our elders, and then it comes to our pastors. And then after that, we talked about teaching, that it's important for us to know uh, what we believe and why we believe it because we all need a firm foundation because storms are coming. And you don't wanna wait for the clouds to form to start building your foundation. And then last week, Jerry talked about scripture reading. And when you are reading the scriptures, this is one of my favorite things that Jerry said, when you are reading the scriptures, you are hearing the voice of God. When you read your Bible, God is speaking to you. I've heard people say, does God still speak? Yep, open the Bible and read his words. Well, today I wanna to talk to you about fellowship. It is what makes us family. Now, uh, right after the beginning of the church, they start to zero in on these things that the early church is doing and it describes their behavior. But it is more than just a description it is a, of their behavior, it is a prescription for us to follow. Um, how many of our locations, uh, you've got a, a pill bottle at home that still has a little rattle in it? You know, you went to the, you went to the dentist, got a tooth pulled, they gave you some great painkillers, you weaned yourself off early and saved three for a rainy day, right? There's more that don't, be cool, but I know our church, okay? Yes, there's a lot. Some of you, it's in your pocket. We heard it during worship when you were jumping up and down. We heard the rattle, okay? It's just how it is. Now, some of you, uh, you're, maybe it's not a, you know, a painkiller. Maybe it's an antibiotic. You're one of those people, you started to cough, and so you called your doctor really early in the morning, said, I gotta get something. He calls you in, he gets you the prescription. You go and you get super frustrated while you wait in line to actually get that prescription, and then you finally get that prescription, and you don't take all of it. You leave it like half empty or half full. And then you start to get sick again. And you're like, well, what happened? I'll tell you. 
because you only took the prescription until the symptoms went away. You didn't take the prescription until the sickness went away. And so many of us, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ, we just want enough Jesus to treat the symptoms, but not the sickness. Man, we're so worried that the prescription's gonna run out, that we're not gonna get another refill, or maybe we just get a little lazy and we walk away from the things that God is calling us to. You know, your life starts to fall apart a little bit, so you're like, man, I gotta start, I gotta get back into church. And you start coming back to church, you're like, boy, I gotta start praying. Then you start praying, you're like, man, I gotta start reading my Bible. Then you're reading your Bible, and all of a sudden you're like, life is pretty good. Then you're going, I think things are going all right. And then you stop reading your Bible. And then you stop praying. Then you stop going to church because you feel like everything's gonna go okay. And then all of a sudden, your life starts falling apart again. And then you're like, I guess that Jesus thing never really worked. Well, it's because you only want enough Jesus to deal with the symptoms in your life, not enough Jesus to deal with the sickness. When it comes time with the, yeah, I'm preaching before I preach. That's just my intro. That's the power of the pulpit, folks, okay? <laughs> All right, here's what I'm saying is when, when you come to a relationship with Jesus, this prescription doesn't run out, but it's gotta be taken all the time. You hear me? So this is not just describing what the early church did, it is prescribing what you and I are supposed to do. And this is what it says, Acts chapter two, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to lots of things, but one of those things was fellowship. It doesn't appear nearly as spiritual as the rest. I mean, when you think about communion, taking the Lord's Supper, when you think about, uh, or when you think about uh, the Lord's Supper, when you think about prayer, you're like, those are pretty lofty. And then fellowship, you know, it just doesn't seem nearly as important. But I think as we dig deeper, you're gonna realize just how powerful and impactful this can really be. This shouldn't come as a surprise to us that fellowship is important because all the way back in the beginning, in Genesis, when we get to peek behind the curtain of the formation of the universe, we get to see just how purposeful and intricate God was in his activity. This is what he says in Genesis chapter two. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. I'm gonna pause there for a second. This would have been an incredibly hard task for a man, right? Have you ever noticed what happens after a family has more than five kids? Like the names really just start to, they fall off, let's just be honest right? They kind of get stuck. Like, you know, guys can handle a couple of names, but not a lot. Like you'll have a couple, you know, you'll have like, oh, this is, this is Bob and this is Richard. And then this is Samantha. And they're like, they're doing fine. And then all of a sudden it's like a London and a Paris. Like they just start to take a, a hard turn. Or you've seen those families that get stuck on a letter. I come from one of those families. My parents got stuck on the letter C. So there's Clayton, Kristen, Crystal, Cameron, Caitlin, Coulter, right? And if they'd have had a seventh one, it'd have been like crescendo. Like there would have been, there's just, like you just start finding yourself like, what do, we, what do we do? Here's Adam naming all of the animals. And Adam's like, men, 
He's kind of got a one-track mind. He can only focus on so many things at one particular time, and I think somewhere along the line, Adam started to get a rumbly in his tumbly. Because look at some of these names. I've never noticed this till this week as I was doing this intricate, deep, powerful study for you. He started naming animals butterflies, hamsters, feel food theme coming, honey badger. How about jellyfish? Like he was getting hungry, and then he gets past it, and he gets into hippopotamuses and giraffes, and then all of a sudden he's just exhausted. And the last animal comes up and sits right down in front of him. Just looks up with these big dopey eyes. Adam's exhausted. Guys, you know, we're, I mean, long day, really long day. And he's like, I, I don't even know. And he, he's kind of frustrated. He just kind of grabs this rock and just throws it and just trying to think. And the animal turns around, and just runs, goes and gets it brings it right back, drops at his feet, just goes back to sitting down, looking at him with the big dopey eyes, tail just wagging. I was like, ah, I don't know, it's the last animal. I don't, uh, dog. And God's like, dog? Dog? Hold on, dog. That's my name backwards. I love it. <laughs> you will be man's best friend. And then Adam's thankful to be done, then all of a sudden this other animal Starts to walk, and Adam's like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess. Says, come here. And that animal just stopped, looked at him, looked the other way, and just kept on walking. He says, uh, cat. And God goes, cat? I didn't make that. Okay. That's, come on, huh? Huh? I'm just saying. Okay. So, after I had to set the stage for this next part of the scripture reading, Okay, so let's keep going. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. After looking at all the animals, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man, and the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. I need you to hear this. Adam existed in the perfection of creation. He had a perfect relationship with God, and it was not enough. Because we were not just designed for heavenly fellowship. We were designed for fellowship with fellow human beings. You know this firsthand, how deep the desire for fellowship actually is in each and every single one of us. If I were to tell you right now at all of our locations, every single one of you has to move to a new town and after church you need to go tell your kids the first question your kids will ask when you tell them that they have to move is, what about my friends? Parents, we've kind of grown past that to the best of our ability. We wanna know about the job market. We wanna know about the housing market. We wanna know about the cost of living. We wanna make sure that there's decent schools. But at the bottom of all of that is this deep inner desire for community that when you move, you're longing to be connected to people. 
that we cannot be all that God called us to be and all that God wants us to be outside of fellowship. I can go even further. A teacher comes up to Jesus and he asks him, what is the greatest commandment? He's trying to trick Jesus. He's trying to trap him. This is just one of the questions you ask if you wanna have a great philosophical debate. Jesus doesn't hesitate. This is what he says in Matthew chapter 22. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Then he goes on. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The second greatest commandment is loving your neighbor. If you wanna know everything about the Old Testament, if you want it boiled down into the simplest statement from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way to Malachi, the overarching theme is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It implies not just vertical fellowship, but horizontal fellowship. What it means is, and I need you to hear me when I say this, you cannot please God. You cannot love God. You cannot fulfill your purpose without being in fellowship with those around you. You may be able to experience God in a tree stand. You may, may be able to appreciate the majesty of his creation on a golf course. All of those things are good and beneficial, but you cannot live out your calling when you are outside of fellowship. You can't be who God created you to be by yourself in isolation. It has to happen inside of fellowship. Another word for fellowship is one another. There are all of these one another verses in the New Testament that imply being in relationship with other people. In fact, they show up 100 times in 94 verses, and I'm gonna read you most of them. I've kind of broken it down into a combo meal at McDonald's. If you go to McDonald's and you order the number one, you're gonna get a Big Mac. You're gonna get a delicious Big Mac, by the way. You're gonna get a large fry and you're gonna get a large Coke. And I say Coke because we're Christians here and that's what Christians order. <laughs> and if you think about like the big third, the first third, which is your Big Mac, all of them deal with how the church is supposed to operate in unity. Now there's some fun ones. Four of the 100 verses are about kissing. And some of the men are like, you know what? I, I like this church, sweetheart, and let's just do what it says. Let's go home and let's do some kissing. I feel like that's my takeaway for the day. But there's a, this whole group. The next third is all about being in relationship with us as a church. This is what it says in Mark chapter nine. Be at peace with one another. John six says, don't grumble among each other. Romans 12, six and 15, five say, be of the same mind with one another. Romans 15, seven says, accept one another. First Corinthians eleven thirty three says, wait for one another before taking communion. Galatians 5, 15 says, don't bite, devour, or consume one another. Galatians 5, 26 says, don't challenge or envy one another. Ephesians 4, two says, gently, patiently tolerate one another. Wives, that's what you have to do with your husbands. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Colossians 3 says, bear with one another and forgive one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. James 4.11 and James 5.9 say, don't complain 
against each other. And James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another. It's going into deep detail because if you're gonna have a bunch of people in fellowship, you're gonna have problems. So we need like some, we need some boundaries. We need some rules. We need some guides because it expects us to live out our faith in fellowship. The second third of this combo meal deals with loving one another, and that's the Coke, because Coke is love. This is what it says in John 13, John 15, John 15, 17, Romans 13, 1 Thessalonians 3, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Peter 1, 2, or 122, it says love one another. Galatians 5, 13 says through love, serve one another. Ephesians, or I mean, Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Ephesians 4, 2 says, tolerate one another in love. And then you get to the French fries of the theological argument, the mismatch. You can eat a couple at a time or one at a time. 15% deal with an attitude of humility towards one another. John 13 says, wash one another's feet. Romans 12 says, give preference to one another in honor. Romans 12, 16 says, don't be haughty, but be of the same mind. Galatians 5 says, be, uh, serve one another. Ephesians 5, 21 says, be subject to one another. Philippians 2, 3 says, regard one another as more important than yourselves. I don't like that one. You probably don't like that one either. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, clothe yourself in humility towards one another. And then how about these? Romans 14 says, don't judge one another and don't put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 25 says, speak the truth to one another. Colossians 3, 9 says, don't lie to one another. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, comfort one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 says, encourage and build up one another. James 5, 16 says, pray for one another. And Hebrews 4, 9 says, be hospitable to one another. And I don't expect you to remember any of that other than this. We are expected, God's design was for you and I to be in fellowship with one another. To be a Jesus follower requires proximity to one another. You cannot do it on your own. We do it together. It's not just required, it's necessary. There, There are some of you in here that you don't realize how important your faith is to other people's faith. If you were to put my entire sermon into a sentence, it would be this. Faith flourishes in fellowship. It's the soil from which a strong faith sprouts. Faith flourishes in fellowship. When I'm around people like you, and I'm struggling in my faith, and I see your faith, it encourages me to have more faith. When I'm struggling to trust God, and I see you trusting God, it's the encouragement that I need to take my next step of faith. There might be some of you in here that you are just so close to God that you don't need anybody else anymore. I've never met people like that, but you might be putting yourself in that spot. I, that might be true, doubt it, but I can guarantee you this, somebody else does need you. That when you're here or wherever you're at 
and you are walking out your faith in fellowship with somebody else, they are looking to you and drawing their confidence from you. When I'm not preaching here, I get to travel around to all of these other locations. And one of my favorite takeaways everywhere I go, like a gift that God gives me, is he just constantly reminds me that I'm not alone. That I'm not in this by myself. That I'm not the only one who believes that God is good. That I'm not the only one who believes that there is a God. That I'm not the only person who believes that his son died on the cross for people's sins. I'm not the only person who believes in the reality of a heaven and the tragedies of a hell. That I'm not the only one. He surrounds me with other believers and in that fellowship, I find my strength. While you might not need it, there are people around you that do. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Because here's what happens, guys. If faith flourishes in fellowship, you need to hear me, it dies in isolation. That the moment that you can get cut off, peeled apart, removed from the fellowship of believers the odds tilt against you. They're no longer in your favor. When I was in college, I heard a story. I have no clue if the story's true, but I'm gonna tell it to you anyway. That a preacher had noticed that a man who came to his church hadn't been there in about four to six weeks, and so one cold winter night, he decided to go calling on him. And so he walked to the man's house, he knocked on the front door and the man came over and opened the door and let the preacher in. Since it was a cold night, the man had been sitting in a chair by the fire and so the pastor came in and sat down next to him. Like most men, once they get in front of a fire, there's not a whole lot of conversation, they just stare at it. It's like Dimatap for men, right? <laughs> So they spend some time there looking at the fire. Not a word is being exchanged between the two. And eventually the preacher gets up and he grabs one of the pieces of charcoal from the fire and he pulls it out of the fire and he sets it on the edge by itself. He puts the tongs back up against the wall and he sits back down in the chair and both men just sit in silence and they watch that piece of charcoal eventually begin to lose its light. And then at the last minute, just a quick tuft of light and then nothing but smoke no longer giving off light, no longer giving off heat. The preacher slowly gets up from his chair and grabs the tongs and grabs the piece of coal and he puts it back into the fire, puts the tongs back and begins to walk towards the door. As soon as that piece of charcoal hit the rest of the fire, it immediately went back to being a flame, giving off light and heat. The man followed the preacher to the door and stopped and turned around and extended his hand and gave him a handshake and said, thanks for the fiery sermon, preacher. I'll see you on Sunday. When we get removed from fellowship, the odds are against us. That's why Jesus is so concerned about it. That's why he left the 99 that were in community with one another. They were in fellowship and he chased the one. That's why I'm so thankful for all of our pastoral staff at all of our locations. Because some of you, you've probably had them call on you before. And I'm glad they call on you because that's what pastors do. 
They're shepherds, and we got that from the chief shepherd, Jesus. We know what it means when you haven't seen somebody in a while, and you call them up, and you get to leave a voicemail, and you never get a call back. I know we know what happens. Sometimes you send them an email, and they never email you back. Sometimes you send them a text, and then you get the three dots like they're typing you back, and you wait, and then the three dots disappear, and the text message never comes. That's okay, that's what we signed up for, but I need you to know what's happening. Satan is trying to isolate you. He's trying to pull you out of fellowship because then he has the advantage. Every, every single week at all of our locations, uh, this happens for all of our campus pastors. I hear the stories, I've experienced it myself. Before I say what I'm about to say, I need you to know that I'm not talking about anybody in particular because after I preached this on Thursday, I got emails thinking that I knew their story and I'm just going, your story is not that special. Lots of people have what I'm about to tell you as their story. In all of my years of being in ministry, I have never had this happen to me that someone stopped coming to church, stopped being a part of a community of believers, and their life got better. Hate to ruin it for you. Never seen it happen. I'll see week after week, people will come back who haven't been there in a really, really long time, and this is what they'll say. Boy, I tell you what, man, life's just been getting, it's been getting pretty hard. Next thing I know, I kind of found myself in a relationship I didn't want to be in, around friends I didn't necessarily think I needed to have, in an environment that really wasn't healthy for my family. (sighs) To be honest with you, I've been wanting to come back for a while now. I just didn't have the courage because I figured it would be tough to come back. I've never met somebody whose life has been better off by leaving the fellowship of believers. I need you to hear this. I'm not saying this because this is gonna be beneficial to me I'm saying this because I want to warn you that Satan wants to isolate you. And some of you, you may know people who used to be a part of the fellowship. And here's what's happening in their world. While their world is falling more and more apart, they're getting to this point where they're going, I really wanna come back. But they're worried about the awkwardness of coming back. Because Satan starts to say things like, it's gonna be weird when you show up again. They're gonna ask you where you've been and what you've been doing and what are you gonna tell them? You don't wanna, you don't wanna come back. I mean, it's gonna be awkward now. I need you to hear this, it won't. The same hugs you got from our pastoral staff when you were coming are the same hugs you'll get when you come back. The same high fives the same handshakes, you you know those people, you spread that message. All this church wants is for people to find Jesus. And some people, it takes them 10 or 12 tries. And you know what? This church will be here for the 13th. That's who we are. That's what we're trying to do. I know somebody close to me. They used to be an elder in a church. They eventually uh, stopped going to church on Sundays because they wanted to take care of his mom, which is a noble and honorable thing to do. Five years went by and they'd never been back to church and eventually his mother passed. And then they never went back to church. 
And then that person never left a strong understanding to any of their family about where they spent eternity. If Satan can isolate you, he can destroy you. And I don't want that for anybody at all, anywhere. That when you're a part of this family, we care for you and we're gonna look out for you. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter four. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That you need to be in fellowship with other people to help you on your faith journey. Because all fellowship has a gravitational pull. All fellowship, not just godly fellowship, all fellowship has a gravitational pull. Right now at all of our locations, you sense yourself becoming a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Like you sense it, right? It's happening. You've just, all of a sudden this week, you decided you hate the West Coast. You weren't expecting that. You didn't have those strong feelings last week, but now you do. It's because fellowship has a gravitational pull. When you were at Hy-Vee this week, you're like, maybe we should pick up some KC barbecue sauce. Like all of a sudden, you're just becoming part of that. It's because it has a gravitational pull. You are a Cardinals fan because of a gravitational pull. You are a Cubs fan because there was a fellowship that you were associated with and it had a gravitational pull in that direction. It wasn't because you, you thought it out. It wasn't because you ran some statistics. It's not because you're super smart or super uneducated. It's because fellowship has a gravitational pull. You can have fellowship at a bar. You can have fellowship at a ball game. You can have fellowship on a golf course. Fellowship can happen in all of those environments, but all of them have a gravitational pull. And the tough part happens if you're the person whose, whose fellowship happens in the bar, all of a sudden one day you wake up and you realize that you've got uh, a chemical dependency problem. And so now you're not just navigating the withdrawals of the chemicals, you're navigating the withdrawals of the fellowship. Fellowship is good, but listen to me, if that fellowship is not rooted in God and God's word, if its foundation is not on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, if it is not empowered by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you can find yourself cut off and the help you need when you need it the most isn't there. At this point in my sermon, I was gonna to talk to you guys about Bill Withers. Now, if you don't know Bill Withers, Bill Withers uh, wrote a song, it's a good song. It would be my entire sermon uh, in a song. And in fact, I actually had it in my mind that I'd have them pull a piano out on this stage and I would play this song and we would sing it together. I even came in on Monday and practiced this song. And then I was reminded that it is better to be a mediocre uh, preacher than a horrible worship leader. And, but if you know the song, Lean On Me by Bill Withers, it says, lean on me. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Lean on me for it won't be long till I'm gonna need 
somebody to lean on. Lean on me. He ends the song by saying, call on me. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can call on me. Turn to your second favorite neighbor and say, really, you can call on me. Listen to me, if you're gonna try and live out this faith journey, you're gonna need somebody to call on. And I think it's important for you at all of our locations for you to know that you can call on me. My question is, can I call on you? When I'm down and I need someone to pick me up, can I call on you? Can I call on you when I'm prideful and I need someone to bring me back to earth? I need someone to call on when I'm in trouble and I need a hand. When I'm sick and I need someone to pray for me. When I'm in the hospital, I need someone to come and visit me. Can I call on you? Well, good, because you can call on me. When I'm wrong and I need someone to confront me. When I've sinned and I need someone to confess to. When I'm misinformed and I need someone to teach me. When I want Jesus and I need someone to baptize me. Can I call on you? Well, then you can call on me. Have you noticed that you can't baptize yourself? It takes fellowship to enter fellowship. That when you get baptized, you enter into fellowship with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You enter into that fellowship, but you don't just enter into a heavenly fellowship. You enter into this fellowship, 11 campuses wide. You get to be a part of this family, and not just this family but people who call upon the name of Jesus all around the world. You enter that fellowship and you can call on them, but can they call on you? Listen to me, I, I need someone to call on because when I wanna learn about Jesus, I need someone to preach to me. When I'm overwhelmed, I need someone to give me perspective. When I'm scared, I need someone to protect me. When I'm in need, I need someone to provide for me. When I'm broken, I need someone to restore me. When I'm beaten, I need someone to tend to me. When I'm burdened, I need someone to carry me. Can I call on you? Well, you can call on me. Listen, when I've forgotten who I am, I need someone to remind me. And when I neglect my gift, I need someone to fan it into flame. Can I call on you? Well, good, because you can call on me. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.